back. Pulls up for three. Boom! Knocks it down. Curry from the corner at three. Puts it in. For overtime. Makes it. Garrett. A warm welcome from me, Mark Woods, to the latest edition of the MVP cast, brought to you in association with Total Environmental Compliance. Check out their consultancy services for a wide range of environmental issues at tecompliance.co.uk. Now, this is our 60th edition, so we wanted an extra special guest and a genuine history maker joining us. He was the very first British player ever to feature in the NBA back in the 1955-56 season. A guard for the St. Louis Hawks and the Rochester Royals out of the University of Dayton in Ohio. He is Chris Harris and he joins me now. And this incredible and very unique spot in history which you hold. You were born in Southampton, you emigrated very young to the USA, but your your family were very involved in the shipping business. Well, my, all my uncles and my dad and, and the whole family were on the Canard White Star Line at the time. You know, that's a, uh, and I had two uncles that went down on the Titanic. They were 15 years old and 18. They were both making their first trip to to sea, and uh, they uh, they were working down like busboys and things like that. But uh, my whole family was from uh, from England and on the ships. So my dad was coming from uh, from at the time he was on the Queen of Bermuda, and the the ship went half the time in Bermuda and half the time in New York. So my mom that decided to live in New York. So we lived in New York until we moved to Long Island, and uh, that's that's how that happened. But we were all once a week we get we'd get a house full of Englishmen coming from off the ships, you know, <laughs> and that and. That's uh, I I call them all my uncles, but they were probably just a couple of them were my actual uncles. But they uh, they were real big soccer fans. Of course, they call it football, as you know over there. And and uh, we put up my brother and I put up an old basket in the backyard. And that no backboard, no nothing, just a ba- just a, a basket that we bought and we put it in. It dug a big hole and put rocks and everything in. Yeah, we had that basket, and uh, uh, I was always playing basketball there. And my uncles would come back, and they would say, why are you playing that sissy game for? Why aren't you playing football? That <laughs> soccer. He said, just, it's a sissy game basketball. And I said, well, not really. I I just think that uh, I'd rather play basketball. I want to want to someday play in the NBA. And they all started laughing. They said, oh, yeah. And that, but that's, uh, I was thinking about that the other day. I, I was listening to, I don't know, if someone was being interviewed, some outside shooter. Maybe it was Curry. I don't know. But they said he, ne- he never would practice with a backboard. He'd always practice just with a hoop. And he says he thinks that's how he developed his outside shot. And I started thinking about that. I, I think that's why that was my strong suit was the, the outside shot. At the time, it was a two-hand set shot, and uh, that's what that was my bread and butter shot. And uh, but it was it was funny how that all happened. And uh, <clears throat> I never saw my dad. My dad was on the ships all the time. He never saw me play until I got to college. I went on uh, a scholarship to the University of Dayton, and uh, he never saw me play. And uh, 
And uh, they, well, my brother got killed. My brother died, and uh, they, he quit the ships, and they, both my mom and him, moved to Dayton, and that's when he he started seeing me play, and she started seeing me play. But that was in my like my junior year in, in college, and that. So, but it was it it was funny how that all happened, and and that. But the, they they just were so vehemently against me playing basketball the all the british people all my uncles <laughs> and they weren't arri- they weren't arriving with like southampton football club soccer shirts for you to to force you to wear <laughs> it and get with the program no they, they just they i'll tell you they they got off that ship and they went immediately to the first bar in new york and so when they came to it our, our house that that, that that night, they were pretty well oiled up, and and, and that they, they didn't know, didn't talk too much about that. But uh, yeah, it, it was funny how how that all happened. That the the, the English part, because that my aunts and my uncles, none of them saw me play, and and that was, and it was funny. My dad didn't get to see me play till my junior year at college, and uh, my mom, uh, of course, just about the same time. But uh, it worked out. It worked out. I went to a great university, great people. Did you ever get back to, to England and Southampton as a, as a kid, or when was the first time you got back? Yeah, we, when, my, uh, when my, my, uh, my, my son died, uh, we went back to, uh, uh, we went back to England, to Southampton, where we stayed in London. But we did a lot of sightseeing. We went down to Southampton, and I saw where I grew up. And uh, and then they had that Titanic Museum in, in Southampton. And I went through some of my uncle's names in there and just looked up the things like that. But uh, it was uh, it was it was a good experience. Except I could never get used to driving on the wrong side of the road. <laughs> <laughs> and those uh, what do you call them? The roundabouts. I was up on more roundabouts than I was in the road. <laughs> so I finally said, that's enough of this drive and I'm done. Yeah. I mean, when you went to Dayton, I mean, in those days, Dayton was the Duke University of, of college basketball. I mean, I, I knew you yeah. were the local guy, but was it, what was the thing that made you decide to go to Dayton rather than the other schools that were, were trying to recruit? Yeah, uh, I'll tell you, I, uh, I was all set to, to sign I was around one week away from signing with either Syracuse or St. John's. And uh, they, uh, a real dear friend of mine uh, that I used to play basketball with uh, on weekends when he was home from school, he was a senior at Dayton. And the year that, that year, when, uh, he, uh, Dayton went to the finals of the NIT, which was the big tournament uh, then. And uh, I, I always followed this guy. And, and uh, I, I, he was my hero. In a day when you didn't have heroes, today they don't have heroes anymore. But he was my hero because he was a, really a classy guy. And uh, but he never spoke too much, never talked. And we'd play basketball on Saturdays down at the schoolyard and getting games. And only thing he ever said to me was like, "Nice shot" or "Good pass." That's it. And this one, this one day, uh, I was at this. Um, this soda fountain place and he came walking in and i said to my friends oh there's pete boyle i said and then he had never just nodded to me normally but he came up to me and he said chris uh where are you going to go to school and uh 
I said, well, I'm, I told him about St. John's in Syracuse. She said, before you do that, would you like to come out to Dayton for a tryout? See, back then they had tryouts uh, for scholarship. And I said, well, yeah, I, I'd do it. So that, he said, okay, I'll arrange it. So a week later he uh, he got me on a tra- an all-night red-eyed train going from from uh, New York out to, uh, no, going from Florida Park out to Dayton. Got off the got off the train at seven thirty in the morning and found out that that the, scr- the scrimmage was going to be at eight thirty in the morning, <laughs> and I had been up all night at the red eye, but I went there and then had a pretty good workout and they got a scholarship and uh, just fell in love with Dayton. I, uh, there was the people were fantastic people, and, and just they were so basketball crazy, which I I, I couldn't believe that everything was basketball Dayton Flyers you know so it was it was a beautiful relationship and I I just am just so happy you know it's been a great trip my and I met my wife Barbara here my my uh, junior year in in college and uh, everything just worked out great the odd coincidence I don't think I've ever had a chance to tell you the story is that a few years ago President Obama took our Prime Minister at the time, David Cameron, to see the University of Dayton. And I think it was the play-in game for March Madness. And a friend of mine was working for David Cameron at the time. And I texted him and said, you need to tell David Cameron to tell Barack Obama this piece of trivia about the first Brits in the NBA who played at the University of Dayton. So I believe through sources that you were discussed between our Prime Minister and the US President at one point. Oh, so that, there you go. Small things that, in That's history. something to tell my kids about. Yeah, that, that, that was something. Yeah, it, you know, it was really funny, Mark, because I never realized that I was the first uh, of that until uh, uh, you, you or someone, oh, mm. I guess, yeah, I don't know who to, told me. I think me, it was me, you. yes. Uh, yeah, and I, I said, you're kidding. Didn't you find, didn't Johnny Paxson tell you that or something? It was. I'll tell people this story or listen to this because when I, there was an NBA encyclopedia and they listed, that came out and they listed players from each country and your name was there. And of course, to all of us, you were a mystery you know, from that time. And it so happened with the research for this that, and we'll talk about Jim Paxson Sr. for father of Jim and John who played in the NBA. Yeah. And, and I sent a fax to John, who I had only met a couple of times, and a couple of days later, I think he had he had called Jim. Jim had called you, and you faxed me out of the blue. Here was your number, and this was how the great discovery was that led to me <laughs> sort of tracing your your life story when we found it, which was so. It was a John Paxson. I have to say thank you to him. He, he uh, yeah, I, I saw uh, I, uh, Johnny at uh, his dad died a couple of years mm. ago. Jim, big Jim, and I went up for the funeral, uh, and uh, he. Uh, I, I, we talked about that then. I, I was really surprised. I said, "Wow, that's that was that's awful nice." So anyway, when I go around, once some of my friends who know about that, they'll say, "Yeah, Chris played in the NBA. He was the first British-born player to play in the NBA." And everyone goes, "Oh, really?" You know, and I went, "Oh boy." <laughs> you know, it's nice <laughs> you, to have you, a piece you, of history, though. Well, I just wish that that. Uh, the English would get basketball, would get more excited about playing basketball, They'd get something going over there. 
Well, we'll talk, there's a little Southampton connection I'll tell you about in due course. But let, let's talk about this Dayton team because, I mean, that was a great team. Jim Paxson there, as the people know, was a you know, great player in his day, you know, not just famous as a father. I mean, what was that team like? I mean, the, the, the things that you guys achieved, you reached you know, the NIT finals, which, you know, for people who don't know, was bigger then than the NCAA finals. I mean, yeah, that, it, that must have been you played in big arenas like Madison Square Garden. I mean, what was that oh, like? Oh, yeah. They, oh, it was just... It was fantastic. We, uh, it was the big tournament, and every every time you just uh, if you made the NIT, you, boy, you were something. And we we uh, we played, and I played in two finals and lost both the finals. Uh, Dayton lost, and uh, but it was uh, it was a thrill just being in New York again. And, and I, I I hated to play at the garden. Well, I didn't hate it because the baskets were so great. You threw anything up at the basket, Madison Square Garden or Boston Gardens, and it bounced around three or four times and always went in. I mean, they were the softest rims I've ever seen in my life. But the floors, they always had the temporary floor that they'd have hockey on maybe that night or the next day. And the floors were so terrible. You'd start dribbling down, and next thing you know, the ball wouldn't come up you'd kick it out of bounds it was it was uh it wasn't the the, the greatest for the conditions but just playing in new york though that was the thrill and and that we um that was the highlight i just i loved it and back then this whole town went crazy well they, they went crazy this year too i mean yeah i've never seen a town just embody a, a team like they did the, the flyers and uh it's it's so funny now, Mark. Uh, uh, we're we're staying we we're staying in this place. They have uh, 250 people here in different condos and apartments, and all of them, not all of them, but so many people stop me. You're how you'd like the Flyers this year? What do you think <laughs> of the Flyers? And I think, oh gosh, no. you know. And and this one <laughs> this one lady came up to me and says, "You don't remember me, but I." was your biggest fan. I've got a scrapbook around uh, six inches thick of uh, just on you. He said, do you remember me? My girlfriends and I used you used to fly. When you go on road trips, we would get on the planes with you and fly there and be, see you. And I, I didn't remember her for anything. But I said to the current ex-coach, Don Donaher, who's my dearest friend i said do you remember about four or five girls every time we played out of town they would be on playing well, said, well, yeah of course don't you remember all oh, they were the, the what do you call them groupies or <laughs> but they they were so funny but I, you run into it even now as old as i am i walk around and they, they all say oh you play with the flyers how would tell us about it you know and it's kind of nice and, and that's the nice thing about being back up here the weather isn't good but what you can, you know you just get wonderful wonderful people so we were very, very fortunate we uh my wife was a professional singer and uh was had a big career was supposed to do a screen test out in hollywood and this is all before i met her then met her and then we would say well we're just like to have just two kids you know and so you know so she could still do her singing she had her own tv show in dayton and uh we we both of us were catholic converts and at that time it, it uh forget it the only thing you had was rhythm <laughs> and it didn't work 
we ended up with 10 kids. <laughs> <laughs> and you've been married now for but, how many years? 65 years, is that correct? 60, 64 years. We were married, 65 September. But it's, uh, it's, uh, it, it's been a great marriage. We've had a lot of fun. And uh, it's nice to be back in Dayton. Oh, that's where we're going to, this will be the last stop for us. But it's, uh, thank God we got our health and, and uh, we got our children, which is great. You know, they, they're all over the place, all, but uh, they're, they're, they're doing well. And uh, they, they, remember, they always call about every day. So we, we're very, very fortunate. Because you're, when you were at college, I mean, you were, you were, Renowned as a great passer, you were a great defender, etc. So then you, you come out of college, at, and you know the NBA was still a very young thing at that point. I mean, it wasn't the big league that it is now. You get you get drafted into the into the league by the St. Louis Hawks. What was yeah. that? What was the NBA like for you at that point? Well, let me tell you kind of an interesting story. Um, uh, the, just prior to the to, to the, the, the draft, uh, the NBA, we were playing in the NIT at, at, up at Master Square Garden, and uh, I I had probably my best tournament there uh, I've ever had at the Garden. I, I set an assist record, uh, thirteen in one game, and and I had a lot of scouts come up to me, and one of them came up to me and said, "Would you be interested in playing pro basketball?" And I said, "Well, yeah, sure." He said, "I'll tell you what, after the tournament." I'm going to fly you up to, uh, we'll fly you up to Syracuse for the Syracuse Nationals there. You know, Al Servi was the coach and that. And uh, I said, great. So after the season, sure enough, he contacted me and I said, we're flying up. I want you to meet Al Servi, the coach and the general manager and all this stuff. So I went up there and uh, talked to him and he said to me, uh, okay, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to draft you third in the third round he said the first round we need a big man the second round we're going to need a power forward third round we'll draft you so i came back to dayton and i saw my wife we had just you know gotten married and i i just said we're going to go to syracuse they're going to go up there and play syracuse <laughs> and so the day of the draft this is what i was told by by the guy who scouted me at the garden when he was up at the draft he, uh, and uh, it, it was so uns unsophisticated back then, the draft. It got to the third round, and Servi said, okay, we're going to take that guard from Dayton. And someone said, well, who was it? And he said, I don't know, the, the kid from Dayton, <laughs> the, the guard. And the guy said, you mean Jack Salee? And he said, I guess so, yeah. So they drafted <laughs> Jack Salee. They didn't even fly him up there, never even thought about it. And uh, I didn't get drafted. And I was I was so disappointed I was I was crushed, but thank God they uh, uh, our sports information director his name was Pepper Wilson, he contacted the St Louis Hawks and said hey you're missing out if you don't draft this kid he can play and they drafted me in the supplemental draft, and uh, I went out there and uh, just caught fire I, I I had one of the greatest two or three weeks out I was the second highest scorer in backup. Uh, Tom at uh, Pettit, Bob Pettit, who was their all-time greatest player. He he averaged about twenty a game in the, in the exhibitions. I averaged eighteen, and I, I couldn't miss. And uh, so I made the team. But that that was funny. And then uh, I just played the, the the one year, 
and had a chance to go back in 1958. They contacted me, their, their coach Alex Hannum contacted me and said, would you be interested in coming back with us? And I said, well, and I had just opened my stores in Dayton and, and everything was going great. And I said, well, what, what, how, what would I be? He said, well, I'll be honest with you, be the fourth guard on the team. And I said, oh, Alex, I'd love to do it, but I, uh, my, my business is just really taken off and, I, and my wife's pregnant. I think I'm going to pass. Well, I passed <laughs> that year. The St. Louis Hawks won the, the NBA championship. And I was so like, oh, I could have been, could have been on that team, <laughs> but it worked out. The business was we got going and started growing. But it's it's been a, a fun career, and uh, I, I'm a nut now watching watching Dayton basketball. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, uh, they're so much fun, and their coach is such a wonderful, wonderful guy. And he played with my my son played for Dayton also, my mm. two of them, and he uh, he they played together. And so it's it's been it's been a lot of fun, and um, I still a basketball nut. Now I got my wife becoming a, a basketball nut. We just glued to the television watching the games. Really? That's why it, it's kind of been a kind of a boring few weeks with this. <laughs> virus going around we can't, we can't do anything but watch movies <laughs> i mean that year when i mean for people that don't understand what it was like back then i mean you see so you had 15 games at the lewis then you got traded to the to the rochester royals which you know is up, yeah was upstate New York. what what was it like to be in because you know you guys obviously today's nba they're playing flying charter flights first class the full shebang yeah, etc it's big oh, money it, it, it was, was a really different days back then oh mark it was so they the owners, well, they they were so cheap. It was, uh, I mean, they, I mean, I made forty eight hundred dollars, and the highest paid player in the league was Kuzi and Pettit. They made twenty five thousand dollars. That was the top. But we things I, I I laugh about now. We the when we say we we play in Philadelphia. The next night we were supposed to go play at Madison Square Garden. Well, when the, our owner would come up to us and say, "Now I want you after the game here. I want you guys the next day. Don't leave Philadelphia until about four o'clock in the afternoon." And we went, "Why is that? We play that night at Madison Square Garden." He said, "Because you can park the cars. They rented cars. You can park the cars on the streets in New York at no charge for parking, and, and, and that's the way to go." Now you. Can, could do it that way. So we went and got to New York maybe at six o'clock, went right to the garden. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was really, it was so much different. Train, bus rides, we'd go on, we, uh, we, we'd go on a, a, a trip, say, from one city to another, and halfway there, they said, well, we're going to stop here at Paducah or somewhere. I said, everyone said, why? He said, well, we got, we got an exhibition game. We're going to play against Joe's Bar and Grill. They're a bunch of local <laughs> stars. And so we'd play an exhibition game, and the owner would get a 1000 bucks, and we'd, we'd get in and hop on the bus and keep going on to Boston or somewhere. But we played so many games. It was unbelievable, and that's why I get a kick out of these guys now. Saying, "Well, uh, we're going to rest. We're not going to play the next night because we're going to rest." My God, we did, we never never rested. Uh, and, and injuries, forget it. There's the, the injuries thing. Bob Pettit played a, played a whole season with a, a, a cast on his arm, broken arm. He had played a whole season. Uh, Adolph Shays, 
probably one of the greatest players of all time. Played the, uh, he was a right-handed shooter, probably one of the best shooters I've ever seen. He played the, uh, half the season with uh, with the uh, uh, cast on his right arm, so he couldn't use his right arm, and uh, became a, a average like 13 a game, just shooting left-handed. I mean, he, uh, you just did it back then. It was, it was really you either did it or or you don't play, you know. But uh, it it was it was different and nice. But I do get a kick out. I read. I said, "Well, so and so is not going to play tonight. They're they're going to rest him." I said, "Rest him? It guy's twenty one years old and in great shape and all. Well, you know, you don't rest him. You those fans are paying money to come watch you watch him play. You know, rest. it certainly wasn't load management back in those days, anyway." Oh, you, you, you never even thought to say anything about, about that. And the conditions that you know, we used to, uh, people don't believe this, but we played at Boston Gardens a lot, and they would turn off the heat in the locker room and have cold water. And we'd have to shower in cold water, no heat. And then people say, oh, come on. And I just heard that the other day. I read an article on, on uh, an old-timer played. And I said, yeah, and I remember Red Hour back used to come and turn the, the heat off and turn the, the the cold water on. That's all that we could shower. And I said, I told you guys that's what it was every time we played Boston. <laughs> it, was, it was different, you know. I mean, you mentioned Boston. I mean, one player that was, was very celebrated for an historical sense as well was Chuck Cooper. He was the first black player oh, in the Chuck, NBA. Chuck, he was Chuck a good was friend of yours. Oh, one of my dearest, dearest friends. He uh, he and I were, at that time, were nuts about jazz. And every time we'd go to a, a city where he, he knew everyone, every uh, African-American performer, he, like Sarah Vaughan, Earl Garner, he knew them all. So he said, he'd always call me rookie. He said, come on, rookie, you're coming with me. We're going to see Sarah Vaughan. And he'd walk into the place and they'd go, oh, they go nuts for him. And uh, we just, I just enjoyed him so much. He's just a wonderful, wonderful man. And just a class guy. He was just a, one of the classiest guys going. But he used to tell me when he was with Boston some of the stories. <laughs> and uh, it, this one story, I got to tell you, because it's, it's, it's a true story that he had told me. Uh, they, uh, what was his name? Um, oh, Sweetwater Clifton. Mm came in the league, he came from the Globetrotters, he came into the league, he was around 6'7", six, 6'8", six, huge hands, strong-looking guy, and uh, the, they, the first first game he was going to play, they were going to play up in Boston, the New York Knicks were going to play in Boston, and the Knicks were coached by Joe Lapchick, who was a Hall of Fame coach, great guy, and uh, so they go up there, and uh, Hourback would always have these thugs like Laskatov and Branham and all these guys that would just all they do is pound you just just pound he that's what he wanted to do just go in there and beat the hell out of them so he first game sweets plays they started and started pounding him and pounding him and he didn't do anything and he, and he, he did retaliate didn't do anything so coming back from Boston on the train to because they were going to play Boston the next night at Madison Square Garden. He, uh, Lapchick went up to him and said, Sweetwater, I got to ask you a question. He said, uh, can you fight? He says, Mr. Ch- Mr. Lapchick, I'm a bad fighter. And, I, and he says, okay, well, you better learn because you'll never last in this league. That night, <laughs> they played the Knicks. And I, I mean, he's with the Knicks. They played 
they played uh, at Bo- played Boston at Madison Square Garden, and they started roughing up Sweetwater again. Sweets went bizarre, and Chuck said it was like the movie King Kong. He started throwing guys over scorers tables, dropping guys. He's punching them out, <laughs> and the, the, after the game, Lapchick went up to him and said. Sweet, you told me you couldn't fight. What you told you told me you couldn't fight. I said, no, Mr. Lapchick, I didn't say that. I said when I fight, I'm bad, <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's when I and when I do get in a fight, I'm real bad, Mr. Lapchick. I mean, but he was, you know, different stories that that you hear. It's it's so interesting that. But yeah, Chuck Cooper, he was he was dear dear friend of mine i really liked him i mean obviously he's i mean he had so many stories as had many players of his age about you know the the racism well that was obviously in american society at that point in time but also within the league and your players having to go to segregated hotels etc and stay in different places i mean that must have been tough to to have to balance yeah it it really was and and we uh about story I always tell when I talk to a lot of people is uh, when I was with the, uh, Rochester, I, I was real close with uh, Maurice Stokes and um, uh, Eddie Fleming was playing and Dick Ricketts. And, that. and so we were going, going from Rochester down to play in Winston-Salem, uh, an exhibition game uh, in Winston-Salem against the St. Louis Hawks. Uh, and uh, we were on the train going down and we just had a ball we hit it off it was just fantastic and they, these are my friends my teammates but not only my teammates these were my friends real close friends and got down there and uh, and we the train pulled up at the station and the guy that what do you call him, sky caps or whatever you go you know said okay sir you come out you get off at this this door here you other guys get off at this other door I said, what's that all about? So I got off the train, and here was this high picket fence around six feet tall, white picket fence, and here on one side was the white guys, our white guys, and on the other side were my buddies, three of them, all African-American, getting off, and uh, they, the guy said, you're going to get rides home with these uh, black families. You're going to stay with them this evening, and the and I, we're going to stay at the hotel. And I went, oh, no. I, I, was, I, I was crushed. I said, I never knew that. I was never seeing anything like that. And they, they were really, really hurt, and they didn't even want to play. They were just so down. But that's how it was back then. You, you know, you, it, was, it was something. You know, they, did, it was, they just didn't, didn't want you. You, you only, it was like an unwritten law. You're allowed to have just 10 Ten percent of the team had to be. You couldn't have more than ten percent being black, and boy, that they, they a lot of just most a lot of teams just have all white, you know. But that's 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 how we how it changed. What but, was the highlight of that year for you? I mean, playing between two teams, and obviously not with a big rule, but is, was there a game that you, when you kind of sat back on it, with the benefit of time, you thought that was the that was the night, that was the peak. Uh, well, I it wasn't. You mean uh, when I had one of my real good nights or something? Yeah. Or, 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 or funny. Well, I I, uh, I I had a couple of pretty good nights, but I never was much of a scorer once the season started. But I'll I'll tell you, 
I'm, t- I'm talking too much, Mark, but I'll tell you a funny story. I, I think it's funny. When I was growing up in Long Island, they uh, we were living in uh, St. Albans on, uh, on that, and uh, up the street from us, when I was in grade school, I was in uh, elementary school, up the street was the high school, Andrew Jackson High School, and they had a great basketball team, and the, their star was Bob Cousy. And so Cousy used to come down with some of his teammates after school and play in our schoolyard because we had baskets and an outdoor court at the grade school. And once in a while they would pick me up when they needed an, an extra player. But I just, oh, I idolized Cousy. Everything he did, I, I, I tried to emulate. I just tried. And so I did so much of it when I got to college. My nickname, they nicknamed me Koozie. <laughs> Not a bad to, one. <laughs> I, I tried to do all the things that he did, which I couldn't do like he could. But I, I tried, and so I got the nickname Koozie. And, and that's so. But the first time I played against him was at the Boston Gardens. That was one of those times we went there, and I got in the game. And I said to the guy I was replacing, I said, Richie, who are you guarding? He said, You got Koozie. I went, I just, I, I couldn't believe my hero. I'm going to play against my hero. And there was a jump ball, and the ball went up, and they tipped it to Kuzi. And Kuzi started down the floor to take off down the floor. And I, I was guarding him, and my legs wouldn't move. They just, they just froze. <laughs> and, and I didn't know what to do, so I reached out, and I grabbed him by the, his pants and his jock. And I, I just held him. And I couldn't move, and he turned around, looked at me, and I let it go and slapped against his butt, and he just ate me alive. He just set out that whole quarter just to make a fool of me, and he did. I mean, I just, I was, in, I couldn't believe Bob Cousy, my hero, I'm playing against. You know, well, you know, it's one of those true stories. So, uh, a friend of mine years ago, it was only about ten years ago, Cousy lives in Worcester, Mass. Uh, and he uh, he he go he's a member of the same country club as his friend of mine. So my friend went up to him one time and said to him and told him the story. And Cousy didn't remember it, but he says, "Oh, so he wrote me a note. Hey, Chris, I, I hope you're still playing that stellar defense, <laughs> Bob Cousy." Because <laughs> what was it like? Because I think I, mean, I I was lucky enough to go to the old Boston Garden before it was was ripped down, and I. I still remember it. it was I mean it's just extraordinary building to be in and you know, going I went like someone gave me a tour downstairs even though it was shut and it was it was everything I expected it to be. What was it like to go in there because it was just before the the Celtics had their big run as champions but you know for me oh, it seemed yeah. like the play, it was the mecca it was the incre- most incredible building I'd ever been to. Yeah. It was the uh, the thing things I remember. I told you about the cold water and no heat. But going out on the floor, you couldn't even hardly you couldn't see the baskets. There was so much smoke. Mm. All you saw was people smoking, and it was like a cloud, and you, you couldn't even see the basket when you went from the dressing room out to the floor. But it was just it was a different league, a different thing then, you know. But. Uh, it, it was it was a thrill. I, I the I've never been in the new place, but they say, they say it's beautiful. But back in the old days, it was it was something. <laughs> yeah, the old wooden seats and the proper wooden floor and the wooden rafters up on top. I mean, it was. Uh, oh yeah, was I'll tell you, you know, tell you about some goofy arenas. When when I was in Rochester, we played the old Rochester Armory or something it was called. Uh, it was and uh, and and they had that like. Uh, 
the chairs and seats and, and bleachers. But underneath the baskets, all they had was just these folding chairs. That was that's where people sat. And I remember this one game. This guy was was going down the floor to make a driving layup, and someone hit him from behind. He went knocking over the chairs and went right out the back door into the snow. There was all this snow. And, and we said, where, where, where'd he go? And they said, well, he went out that door. And so we tried to get him to get back in. Now, oh, God. It was so... It was so un- unsophisticated back then, <laughs> but it, it was fun. You know, it's 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 fun. I'm I'm just hoping that England gets gets to get involved in that because I, I think people would really like it in that when way you, it is now. When you look at the game, I mean, I mean the NBA now. I mean, you made you said you made forty eight hundred bucks. Now guys, and you know, over a year with everything thrown on top, could make you know forty eight million potentially at the year with everything oh, else yeah. could you ever have foreseen that this game would change the way it had and develop the way it had and the league would become this incredible multinational global thing that it is now no i i i be honest with you mark i i really i really didn't even think about that i didn't you know we our crowds were like five thousand four thousand people five thousand you went to the garden uh and they they'd pack it in, in new york Madison square Garden, and boston garden they would pack it but the other places you would go to they would uh, uh a lot of times they'd have double headers and so you, people could see two games for one and uh they'd be, get three thousand thirty five hundred now that was really not a lot and i could never envision I could never envision uh, them do that, but of course, it's so different in the game now. You know, I, I I don't even get a kick out of that much of watching anymore because it's more or less just strength. You know, like people knock over people, and then three guys watch while two guys play one on one. One one. You know, it's it's it, but it's it's still fun. I I enjoy some great great athletes and. And that, but uh, I'm used to the old days where you make five or six passes, and then a shot would go up. You know, but <laughs> it, it, te- was, it there was, must be teams fun. you like watching. I mean, is, there, is there guys that you do admire? Uh, now, yes. I, in, oh, I yeah, I, I admire. I, I, there's just so much talent. I, I was used to admire the San Antonio Spurs because they really moved the ball. I mean, they the five, six passes for a shot would go up. I, I really enjoyed watching them. But uh, I really, I, I just really love watching college basketball because those kids give it their all, you know. And But uh, I shouldn't say it about the pros. They, they, you know, I like LeVon, Le, 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 Le you know, What's the big the uh, LeBron James? Yeah, I enjoy watching him, and I I, I think he handles himself well. He, I, I admire him. He's he's not a, a showboat, and and uh, I enjoy watching. I used to really enjoy watching Golden State. Boy, that when Curry was playing, and and all those they really moved the ball. I love seeing basketball you know, when people move the ball and 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 defense from that. Uh, but it's kind of a lost art anymore, you know. I mean, you, you talk about the love of college basketball. I mean, you, you, you left the NBA and you, you opened a chain of appliance stores and an advertising agents and you worked in insurance. But you came back to, to Dayton for the first time. 
as as their team broadcaster. I mean, how did that come about? About the broadcasting? Yes. Uh, I I loved it. I I just I I did the Dayton games for thirteen years, and uh, I I just loved it. And then we moved away. I I got transferred up to Seattle, and then and then I just it just went away, you know. And uh, uh, but that was that was really fun. I I really enjoyed that. I liked to have had a career during that. It it, it was a lot of fun. But uh, now you can't look, you look back on your life. You know, with my wife and I, we talked about this last night. You know, it's uh, with this this epidemic going on now and all that stuff. It's tough. But you know, we said, you know, it could be a lot worse. We've got great family. We've got each other, and uh, we're we're doing okay. We don't we don't lack anything. You know, and so it it's been it's been kind of fun. What's but, what's uh, it been like to have this lifelong love affair with basketball alongside the love affair with your wife because you've said as you said you saw your two kids doug and ted play play at dayton as well and you know, you're oh, still going yeah. to games and you're in the you were back for i think the college's uh, was a hall of fame would that be correct a few years ago and um, yeah what, what's I, I, it been but... what's it been like to to have this this game that's kind of given you so much joy yeah uh, it, boy you hit it right on the head that's that's it, it, I just I, I wake up in the morning and I say, is, is Dayton playing tonight? The first thing, <laughs> is, oh yeah, they're on tonight. I just look forward to it so much, you know. And uh, and this town is 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 crazy. I've never seen anything like it. You know, I lived in Florida, lived in Seattle, lived these places, and you know, it was it's, they, it's conversation now and then. But this place, you go, they got signs, they got everything, and that crowd they get down here, they they're just. It's the most raucous crowd I've ever seen. It fun to they're a great student body and the whole thing. So it's it's kind of looked forward to. It. I, to be honest with you, that's the highlight of my day is to watch the Flyers at night or something. I, I really really enjoy it, and because they're such good kids, and there's no prima donnas. Their coach is just in just. In, I've known him since he was a player, uh, and that, and he's just a class act. Boy, he. He's so classy, and he teaches well, and the kids love him. They, you know, it's when he's he's not a mouthy guy. He's, he, he 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 doesn't cuss, and he doesn't. He's just a class guy, and and uh, they 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 love him, and uh, I do too. And so anyway, no, I uh, it, I got to start getting falling in love again with the Cincinnati Reds or the Cleveland Browns <laughs> after after following the Tampa Bay Bucks all those years, which we loved. When you were living down there, yeah, yeah they they. Uh, but uh, I love. Uh, I'll probably get serious with the Bengals or the Browns again. But you know, it's uh, it's kind of neat. Uh, life has been good to us, and uh, uh, we just uh, hopefully our health holds up. Well, oddly enough, last week this was you were saying about basketball becoming bigger over here. Last week, I um, was the last game of the season. It probably was here. And it was yeah. the, the mighty Solent Kestrels from Southampton reaching their first ever major final in this country. Yeah. So many years later, Southampton basketball is on the map again in this country. So, you know, there is there is a small chain there of history from from you arriving to now. So, you know, things yeah. things can come around. Yeah, well, what you're saying is true. It's it's. 
I see the footballs trying to get, they're trying to get NFL over there, uh, trying to get a team there. But I just wish they could do something with basketball. Every other country has it, but England. But one day, one day we'll get there. Yeah, it's good to talk to you as always. Well, I um, hope someday we get together. Yeah, I hope so too. We'll try and make that happen. But uh, stay safe in these times, and uh, yeah. take care of yourself. Okay, Mark. Well, thank you for calling. All the best, Chris. Take care now. Great. Bye. That's it for this edition of the MVP Cast. Brought to you with our sponsors at Total Environmental Compliance. Give them a follow on social media at T Compliance Limited. Now you can get all our previous editions at MVP247.com or subscribe via your preferred podcast provider. Please, please do leave us a review on yours. It really helps, preferably a nice one as well. If you want to contribute to our Patreon account and help support the podcast, you can find details at our website. Or if you just want to get in touch, reach out to me via Twitter at MarkBritBall. Now, another edition of the MVP cast coming very soon. But for me, Mark Woods, it's bye for now. 